Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. We're starting a new series today called The Struggle is Real. So every week of this series, Steve's going to get himself in a mess, I have a feeling. So y'all come back. Um, How many of you feel like getting through struggles is something you could use some help with? I mean, aren't we all struggling? And I really do feel like uh, in the room this morning that some of you are just tired. You're tired of struggling. I don't, I don't care if you're 90. I don't care if you're 9. You're struggling. And if you haven't been struggling recently, then look out because it's coming this week, probably today. So I just want to give us some tools over the next few weeks to, uh, to maybe see our struggles a little bit differently um, because we, we struggle. We struggle um, internally. We struggle with, with who we are. Um, we struggle financially. We struggle with other people. Can I get an amen and wake you up? We struggle with health. Um, we struggle with sadness. Struggle with grief. We struggle with desires that we don't want to desire. We all struggle, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Today, I want to start this series off with a message that I'm titling Fit for the Fight. Fit for the Fight. Have you ever started doing something, get into it a little bit, and realize you do not have what you need in order to accomplish the task? Maybe you went to Ikea. <laughs> that right there will make you cuss, won't it? Maybe you, maybe you started to put something together and you quickly realized, I do not have what I need. That happened to me last 4th of July. Last 4th of July, my my little boy and I, he's, he's nine. We decided we wanted to kick up the Pearson fireworks extravaganza for 2022. So we went to the fireworks stand, and the words that I told the lady is, I want wow without ow. I want, I want big without burning the neighborhood down. That's what I'm going for. So she gave us some stuff, and I took it home, and we waited for dark. The fireworks extravaganza was going perfectly fine until about halfway through. And Riley lit one of those, this little cubes that have like six or eight shots in it that go up, explode, done, right? And he swears he didn't, but I think he lit the sucker and kicked it over. I'm just saying, he ran away really quick. I'm thinking he kicked it over, but y'all don't tell him I said that, okay, because we've gone back and forth about this a lot. So he lights the firework, he runs away from it, the thing turns over, starts spinning and shooting fireballs out everywhere. One hits the house, one hits my gas grill, thank you Jesus, that didn't blow up. One hits Melissa in the leg, but the worst, at least to me, maybe not Melissa, the worst one was the one that shot off to the backyard to like some grassy woodsy areas in our backyard it was dry so of course I start to see this fire and then I thought well I'm a prepared man 
I have a garden hose. I've already got it out. I've already got the water turned on because I know how clumsy I am. So I go and I grab my water hose and I start running towards this fire, spraying water. And then I realize I have no more hose left and I'm still 30 feet from hitting this fire. I didn't necessarily figure out or figure the fire would happen like way back there. I expected it to happen like right here. So I'm trying my best to get water to this fire. I even thought at one point I'd get into a bucket. I even thought at one point peeing on it. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't think about that. But I tried everything I could possibly do to get water. And I'm still missing this thing by 30 feet. So I had the thought, I've got to be that guy and call the fire department on the 4th of July. Because this, by this point, this thing is spreading near my neighbor's fence. This was about to get hairy. So I get on the phone with the fire department just to resolve the story. Before I almost even hang up with the fire department, I don't know if somebody sent out some sort of memo on the neighborhood Facebook page and everybody was on Facebook. There's like 20 neighbors in our backyard with fire extinguishers that were a whole lot more equipped than I was with my short little garden hose. The fire was out before they ever got there. Not, always, not all heroes wear capes, y'all. But about halfway into that, I realized I do not have what I need to fight this fire to put this fire out. I am not fully and appropriately equipped to be a firefighter. Do you ever feel like that in the midst of your struggles, whatever they may be, in the midst of your your fight? Like you just don't have enough. It's the problem of not enough. Like I don't have enough intelligence. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough connections with people. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough confidence. I don't even have enough faith to make it through the thing that I'm facing and to do what needs to be done. I think we all go through those times as adults where we feel like we're faced with some project, some struggle, some some turmoil that we aren't equipped and we don't have enough to make it through. the real issue there is what I've come to notice is that people will think for a while that I don't, I don't have what I need, but they'll quickly begin to say, I am not what I need. They'll say for a little while, I don't have enough, but if you continue to struggle, you will eventually say, I am not enough. Here's what I know today, and here's what I really believe for every one of us that are facing some sort of fight, some sort of struggle, is that anything God brings you to, he will give you the tools to get through. I want to look at one of the Bible's most famous stories today. If the Bible had a greatest hits album, this would be like track number three. It's the story of David and Goliath. And I really wrestled with this story because I, I thought, God, they're going to think like this is a kid's story. But this is a powerful story in Scripture. It's a common story in Scripture. But I hope today maybe we can get a little different perspective on this story to see that when we get in the middle of the struggle, it's easy to identify what we do not have, but what about what we do have? You are equipped, you are fit for the fight that's in front of you. Just to kind of set the story up in case you don't know the backstory to the story of David and Goliath, tensions are high. The Israelites, God's chosen people, are, have been kind of in conflict with the Philistines for a while. Tensions are high, but the stakes are also high because the army that wins this battle will take the other army as their servants. Meanwhile, we have the Israelites being shouted out by this man named Goliath who 
scholars could say could, has been, could have been as tall as nine feet. And then we have the main character, David, standing in the middle of it all. David, at this point in the story, has been anointed, has been chosen to be the second king of the people of Israel. But when we get into this story, he is actually still a shepherd boy on a hillside shepherding sheep. So he's kind of making his way back and forth from the hillside to the battle. Meanwhile, David's brothers, he's the youngest of his brothers, they're all fighting in the war. David's dad sends him to the front lines to check on his brothers and to deliver them some food. And so when David arrives, he sees the armies facing each other, which is the way they would have battled. One representative would have come out to, to battle and represent the entire Army, And when David gets there, he hears this guy, this giant Goliath, shouting insults at the Israelites, and they are scared to death. Now, on the surface, it would seem like David doesn't have what it takes to take down this giant and to win this battle. David is a shepherd boy. David is the youngest of his brothers. David is small in stature. On the surface, it seems like he doesn't have enough. And I imagine David even has the thought that he is not enough. If you and I, if we were watching this and we were observing what's going on, we would feel sorry for little old David right here. We'd be like, if it was Southern Israel, we'd be like, bless his heart. Bless his heart. He's going to go get himself killed as he steps up to these battle lines. But then we read 1 Samuel 17, 26. says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? While it's easy for us to look at the battles in front of us and see what we don't have, I want us to look today, look today at what we do have. And did you catch the thing that David has? David has purpose. He has a reason to fight this giant. And I want you to hear me say today that whatever the struggle is in front of you, you have purpose. David understands what he's fighting for. He says, who is this guy that he can pick on my people and that he can defy God himself? David knows what he's fighting for. Whatever you're struggling with today, whether it be financially, whether it be relationally, whether it be a faith struggle, whatever you're struggling with today, I want you to know that you have purpose. And somebody today, you're about to give up. You're thinking about backing away. You're thinking about letting, uh, backing away from your morals. You're thinking about ending the fight. Some of you this morning, statistics would say, or even thinking about living your, uh, ending your life, can I remind you today that you have a purpose in being on planet earth. Someone is depending on you. You have a reason to fight this morning. There is something bigger at stake and you have to get through this to get there. You have a purpose. And there are so many people, I talk to them, that are living defeated and just going through the motions, sitting on the sidelines of faith and life. And the reason why they're defeated is because they don't see that they have a purpose and that God has a reason for them being here. And do you know why I think that is? I think we in the church have given a, a bad connotation to this word purpose. I think when most people think about having a purpose, they think about selling everything they have, living off of beans and rice and giving everything they have to the poor. Or they think about 
moving to the other side of the world, moving somewhere in Africa where they're miserable for the rest of their life, that that's purpose. But did you know that your purpose doesn't have to be some holy sounding, crazy step, but your purpose can be right where you are? Some of you, the greatest purpose you have in, in, in your life are raising those kids that live with you every single day. Some of you, your purpose is to provide for your family. Some of you, your purpose is to reach one person with the love of Jesus. Your purpose doesn't have to be this thing where you completely change your life forever. No, you have purpose right where you are, right with the people that you're with. You have purpose and your purpose is the thing that will make you get back off the mat when you feel like you've been knocked down one too many times. Your purpose is the thing that, that motivates you your purpose is the thing that gets you going. Today, there is someone counting on you and you have to make it through this struggle because there's too much at stake, because you're that important, because you have a responsibility and you have to be passionate about it and you have to keep going. Even when you get knocked down, you have to get back up. Some of you have experienced this, haven't you? You've, you've experienced what it's like to live with purpose because some of the things that you've been through in your life, had it not been for those kids, you would have given up the whole thing. Some of the things that you've been through in your life, had you not had that career, your life would be completely different. For some of you, had Jesus not rescued you, you don't know where you would be, you have a purpose and it's what motivates you to keep going even when it feels like you stand no chance in the battle you're in. David says, listen, I know my chances don't look good, but dadgummit, I have a purpose because I can't let them talk about my God like that. My purpose is bigger than how I feel right now. I have a purpose and it's worth fighting for. It's worth getting through this struggle. It's worth enduring. It's worth persevering. So David steps up and he says, I'll fight. And then he tells the king of the time, Saul, in verse 32, he says, let no one lose heart on account, of this, on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. This is another point in the whole I don't have what it takes conversation, isn't it? I mean, Saul, Saul's not lying here, right? I mean, what Saul is telling David is true. He's, he's literally saying, David, you're about to go get yourself killed. You do not have what it takes to fight this battle. You really are young. Most scholars believe that David was about 16 years old when he's about to step up to this giant. What Saul is saying is not wrong. Have you ever, you have those people in your life that seem to tell you what you can't do in the worst times? that when you're struggling your most, they remind you of what's wrong with you. And they may be right. Can I just say this? Just because it's truth doesn't mean it's the right time to say it. Just because you have a Bible verse for it doesn't mean it's the right time to quote it. Just because they have messed up in the past, now is not the time to tell them. So Saul isn't, isn't lying to David. 
but he's telling him he's, he's, he's too young. And do you know what I think we'll see as, as we continue the story? And spoiler alert, David wins. Do you know what I think we'll, we'll see as we continue the story? I think we'll see that the things that Saul calls out of David here, him being young, him being inexperienced, are actually the things that make it possible for David to win the battle. Did you know the things that the friends that call the things the friends that call out to you in your weakest moments that are wrong with you can be your greatest strengths. So Saul's not, not lying here. Did you know that God will use who you are even if you don't like who you are? You have a uniqueness about you. You have a personality that God has put in you for a reason. And when you're in the midst of a struggle or in your midst of the fight, it's really easy to remember who you aren't, what you can't do, what you don't have, what you wish you were, what you wish you did have. But what about who you are? All of that stuff that people can say, all of the stuff that Saul is saying here is true. But what about who you are? What about what you do have? Is anybody else like the world's best at doubting themselves? No joke, almost every time before I walk up those steps and come up here and, and, and talk to you, the thought goes through my head several minutes before, what in the world do you have to say? Why does anybody want to listen to you? You're not, you don't know anything they don't know. And it, and it never fails. At some point during worship, it's like God speaks to me and he tells me, Jonathan, what about what I have given you? What about the love that I've put in you for those people you're about to speak to? What about the passion you have for my word? What about the passion you have for me? What about the passion you have for those people? What about the calling that I have on your life? I know what you don't have, but what about what you do have? God has put some things in me. He has put some things in you and they are unique, but they are put there for a purpose. God made you on earth purpose and God does not make mistakes and he didn't make his first mistake the day he created you you're not that special he doesn't create mistakes and for some of us in the room this morning the biggest battle you fight is the battle inside of you because you don't like you You don't like you. You don't like the way you look. You don't like the way you talk. You don't like the way you think. You don't like that you're an introvert or you don't like that you're an extrovert. You don't like the decisions you've made. But can I just encourage somebody today not to lose the battle within you, that God designed your personality. He designed your uniqueness as an asset, not a detriment. He put the things in you that you're supposed to have in you. He put the things in you that he knew you would need. You are made on purpose. You have a personality that you have on purpose. You have the people around you that you have on purpose. You have the gifts that you have on purpose. You have the weaknesses that you have on purpose. You are designed with a unique personality. Now listen to me, don't hear what I'm not saying. God, did not make you a jerk. Because what we'll do, what we'll do is we'll be a jerk to people and we'll just say, it's just my personality, it's how God made me. God didn't make you a jerk, your selfishness made you a jerk. God didn't make you a manipulator. 
God didn't make you a control freak. God didn't make you bitter. All of that was your selfishness. So don't hear me say just because you're that way, that's the way you're made. No, it's not true. But the you that submitted to Jesus, the you that's following after him, you are made on purpose with strengths. It's not an excuse not to work on yourself. It's not an excuse not to listen to other people around you and help shape you and mold you and help community make you into a better person. But he puts some things in you. And when you are, will surrender your life, your personality to Jesus, you will have everything you need. He carefully crafted you and carefully made you. David's conversation continues with Saul. Verse 34 says, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. I'm just sorry, I just get pumped up when I read that. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And then I love Saul's response. Okay, go. God be with you. <laughs> He's like, I'm not messing with that. Did you know that your past can be your greatest asset? You have a past. Some of you are like, oh boy, do I. I've got a past. I've got some baggage back there. I've got some carnage back there. I've got some decisions back there that I don't like. I've got some struggle back there. I've got some times that I would like to forget back there. But the beautiful thing about God is that he can take your past and take it from baggage to luggage. Let me explain. Yeah, I see the perplexed look on your face. A lot of times we talk about the, the baggage of our past and how we'll bring it into our present and, and it kind of holds us down. But our baggage is not meant to be brought into the present. Like if, if I'm at home and I throw something in the trash can, once that trash bag gets full, I take it outside, right? Does, does anybody have like 20 bags of garbage sitting in their living room just waiting to use it later sometime? Like, ah, I thought I had a plastic spoon in there from Arby's three weeks ago. Let me go see if I can go back to that. You don't do that, do you? What do you do? You bag it up and you take it out never to use it again. But if you have luggage and you're going on a trip, you take some things from your past that you had at home, you put it in the luggage and you carry it to the next place because it could be of some use to you when you get there, right? Depending on how you manage your past and depending on how you look at your past, it can either be baggage or it can be luggage. God has the unique ability to take our past no matter how dark, no matter how rough, no matter how scary it was and bring it into this moment and allow us, and he allows us to use it in incredible ways for him. I wonder today, if you find yourself struggling with someone or something, if maybe there's something in your past that you've experienced that could benefit you today. Maybe you learned some habits when you're in the middle of that depressive state a couple of years ago, or maybe you learned some, some thought processes when you were stuck in addiction a few years ago. Maybe you learned some things about yourself. Maybe you learned some things about God that if you use it correctly, it can help you in this moment 
in this, in this season. Your past didn't kill you. So now you have the ability to let it equip you. And the struggle that you're in right now, if you will learn from your past and you will recall how you got through it and how God got you through it, it can equip you for the season that you're in now. And I don't think it's just your experiences either. I think it's what God did in your heart during those times too. Because David brings up the past, how he killed the lion, how he killed the bear, and how he was a shepherd. A shepherd's job was to take care of the sheep, to defend the sheep. Shepherd, shepherds would go to great lengths to defend their sheep and defend their flock. And so it's almost like David sees this Israelite army as God's flock that he has to defend. God has given him a heart. God has given him a heart to, to defend God's, God's people, his flock. And so it's now oh, it's almost like David is saying, I'm gonna use my past and I'm gonna bring it into my present and my, this present struggle and I'm gonna see what God can do with it. So David is ready to go, but Saul still thinks David doesn't have what it takes. And in verse 38, it says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around in it because he wasn't used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. I don't mean to pick on your friends today, but you ever have friends that think you have to get through your struggle the same way they got through theirs? Well, five years ago, I went through a separation. You should do this, right? You're like, I don't need your advice right now because my situation is completely different. I feel like that's what Saul's doing a little bit. David has a better idea. Verse 40 says, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream. So why did he choose five when he only needed one? I don't know. Put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag. Y'all were expecting me to answer that, weren't you? I honestly have no clue because he was about to face a giant and he didn't want to be wrong. I don't know. Maybe we could preach a message there about I have some belief, but not complete belief. Maybe we could preach a message there about being overprepared. I don't know, but he picked five stones, put them in his pouch of the shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. When the struggle is real, you have plenty. I want you to know this morning that you are already fit for the fight that you're engaged in. What can happen to us a lot of times is when we get really deep into the struggle is we can look around and we can think about everything we don't have. We can even compare what we don't have to what other people have, right? So it would have been really easy for David to put on that armor and say, man, it would be really nice to have some armor that fits me. And to compare what he had in the moment to what Saul had been fighting with and would be fighting with. And so what happens is sometimes we get so deep into the concern, so deep into the struggle and the fight that we look around and we don't see what we need. So we just lay over dead. And we quit fighting. We pretend like the battle's lost because we don't, we don't feel like we have what we need. I'm just gonna stay in this miserable place because I'm looking around and I don't see the tools to make it through it. I don't see how the finances are gonna line up. I don't see how there's gonna be restoration in the relationship. I don't see how I'm gonna get out. So I might as well just wallow in it and sit here and be still. But David proves that we all have something and I know that some of you right now you don't feel equipped for the situation you're facing to overcome the worry 
to overcome the financial struggle, to overcome the heartache or the reputation you've gained or the addiction you find yourself in. You don't feel equipped to overcome the conflict. And it's in these times where something has to trigger inside of us and we have to say, but wait, what do I have? What I would ask you today is what do you have? Because you may not have Saul's armor, but you have something. You have a personality, you have a past, you have a purpose that can get you through this if you'll tap into it. It's easy to say, I don't have, but what about what you do have? What about those things that you've always seen as weaknesses, but maybe God's put them in there and he wants you to use them as a strength. And I think it's interesting if you think about it, that the armor that Saul tried to put on David would have made him look like a warrior. It would have made him look strong. It would have made him look bigger. It would have covered his most vital organs. But in the midst of the battle, before he steps up, he takes that off to put on what God wants him to wear. And what God is going to equip him with is gonna leave him a small shepherd boy. It's gonna leave him exposed. It's gonna leave him not looking like a warrior but it's gonna leave him relying on his God. Can I tell you today, somebody, that your God is gonna get you through this? That you may feel exposed, you may feel tired, you may feel worn out, you may not feel equipped, but God is going to get you through this. David never defeated Goliath. God defeated Goliath for David. And when you and I stop trying to fight our battles like we have something to offer to them and we surrender and trust a God who is a giant slayer, we will begin to walk in victory. I'm tired of people trying to fight their own battles and their own strength and looking at their situations and saying, there's no chance because I don't have what it takes. It's not about you, but your God says you're a victor. Your God says you're an overcomer. Your God says you're a conqueror and you have to keep trusting in him. God will never put you in a place where you don't have to rely on him. And some of you feel like you're going down and you're being defeated and God's not for you, and the reason is because you're still having struggles. God is fighting your battles, but he is never gonna make it so easy that you don't have to rely on him. Why? Because he wants to walk through it with you. He doesn't just wanna give you a blank check. He wants you to rely on him every single day. There's a reason why Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. Because God wants to walk in relationship and he wants you to walk in trust to him each and every single day. So yes, there may be more fights ahead, but today God is gonna give you the strength. He's gonna give you the armor. He's gonna give you what you need to keep fighting another day. But look what happens, and I, I know you know the end of the story, but just humor me as I read it, okay? David said to this Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, somebody say this day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. 
this day, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your stinking head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animal and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword, it is not by spear, it is not by you working hard enough, it is not by you making enough money, it's not by any of that of that, that the Lord says, for this battle is the Lord's and He will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David cheated, got a head start, ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Have you ever thought about that? Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Boom, David, who was a little boy, who was 16 years old, you would have never given him the time of day had you been Saul either. David, who didn't have the proper armor, was still a shepherd boy, had a sling and some stones. That same David who didn't look like he had what it took for the fight, defeated Goliath in the strength of God because he was fit for the fight because he trusted in his God. Little you with weak faith. You don't even read your Bible hardly but you do the very best you can. Little you who's turned your back on God so many times. Little you who can't even hardly quote John 3.16. Little you who has always been behind the eight ball. Little you who has a purpose, who has a past, who has a personality, has plenty because you have a big God. Little you, little me, when we walk in the strength we are f- of God, we are fit for the fight. You are fit for the fight, so keep going. Keep walking, keep slinging the stones, keep going, keep moving, keep believing, keep trusting, keep showing up, keep loving, keep doing, keep trying, keep going because you are fit for the fight as you walk with your God and he slays your giants for you. Don't give up, y'all. Don't give up. It's worth it. If you, if you can get through this, you're built, God's building something inside of you. God's doing something. God is building your faith. God is drawing you close because he loves you so much. God wants you to walk through this with him, not because he's selfish, but because he knows what it's what's best for you. Don't give up. God's doing something. You're fit for the fight. So let's make it extremely, extremely practical. There's a card in your seat that has a few questions on it. I don't want you to do anything with that right now. You can take that home and I want you to think about, if you're, if you're going through a struggle today, I want you to think about the answers to those questions. But let me just run through the questions. Number one is what do I have for, to fight for? What's my purpose? What's your purpose? Who is counting on you? What's your motivator? What's the thing that is gonna help you get back up off the mat when you get knocked down? Number two, 
What experiences have I had that I can draw from? What's maybe something you learned about yourself or some habits you learned at a season in your life where maybe you'd kind of forgotten about them, but maybe you can use those in this struggle you're in now. Maybe, maybe you committed to, to praying three times a day back then when you were struggling so much, and maybe you can bring that into this season too. What, what's something that you have in your past that you can draw from? And number three, how have I seen God be faithful in my past? Make a long list of little tiny things and really big things and seemingly ridiculous things and giant slaying moments. How have you seen God be faithful? Maybe it's just the heartbeat you have right now. Maybe it's the house you live in. Maybe it's that you've eaten in the last 24 hours. But how have you seen God be faithful to you? And number four, what do I have that I can use? What unique things do you have that you can bring into this struggle that maybe you've always seen as a detriment, but they're really an asset in this moment? And I'm not just talking about things, but what about your heart? What about your experiences? What do you have that you can draw on in this moment? With Jesus, you have a God who makes you fit for any fight you come against. Keep struggling well with every head bowed and every eye closed Jesus is the key to this whole picture some of you this morning you're struggling and you're fighting and you're alone because you don't have a relationship with Jesus you're even fighting yourself aren't you you're fighting yourself because you want to have peace you're fighting yourself because you want to do better what Jesus is saying is he's saying come to me and I'll give you salvation and I'll give you rest. You don't have to strive anymore. You can snooze in my arms. If that's you this morning, you need to accept Jesus. Just pray this prayer in your heart. You can pray it out loud. It doesn't matter to us. It's just a confession, really. It's not a magical saying. It's just a confession of a belief. Say, Jesus, I give up. I surrender my life to you. I'm tired of trying alone. I don't know why, but I believe that you love me so much that you came to earth. You lived a perfect life. You died on a cross and you rose three days later for me. I don't know how it all works. I'm not sure how all of it ties together, but I believe it. So today I surrender, I give my life to you. And I don't wanna just get a free trip to heaven either. I want to surrender my life to you now. Every struggle that I go through, I I want to do it the way you would do it. So come into my life and change me. In Jesus' name, every head bowed and every eye still closed. If you're going through a struggle today, I would love to know as we continue this series, I would love to pray for you. Would you raise your hand if you're going through a struggle today? If you're struggling with someone or maybe yourself, thank you. Make sure you come back next week. I want us to look at how we can use the good times and the bad times and how God uses all of it to work in and through us. But I wanna pray for you right now. Whatever your struggle looks like, I just wanna pray over you. God, I pray for for the strugglers. God, the struggle is real. And God, for some of us, people under the sound of my voice, they've been struggling for what feels like far too long. 
God is, I don't really know that this makes much difference, but as their pastor, one of their pastors, I'm asking you to, to defeat their giants for them. God, to give, give them relief, to give them rest, to, to give them new motivation, to let them feel loved, to let them see hope on the horizon. God, would you help for them to lean into into you and who you've made them to be and the past that you've given them and the personality that you have for them and in the purpose that, that they live with. God, would you please just give them the strength to continue to struggle. And God, as they look at their giant, God, would you bring it down for them? God, I believe you can do anything. God, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice would believe that as well. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the privilege of, of trying my best to, to teach it. God, I've I've said it to my be- the best of my ability. Holy Spirit, would you teach it to the individual hearts that, that need it so badly? Would they hear you, not me, but would they hear you speak into their situation and remind them that you love them, that you haven't abandoned them, that you're still fighting for them, and that they're fit for this fight? God, thank you for showing up today as you always do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.